This reading of eternal torment for the wicked, unavoidable and intolerable, by Jonathan Edwards, is from the Free Grace Broadcaster magazine and is produced by Stillwater's Revival Books. Can thine heart endure, or can thine hands be strong, in the days that I shall deal with thee? I, the Lord, have spoken it, and will do it. Ezekiel 22.14 I shall show what is implied in God's undertaking to deal with impenitent sinners. Others are not able to deal with them. They baffle all the means used with them by those that are appointed to teach and to rule over them. They will not yield to parents or to the councils, warnings or reproofs of ministers. They prove obstinate and stiff-hearted. Therefore, God undertakes to deal with them. One, God will reckon with them and take of them satisfaction to his justice. In this world, God puts forth his authority to command them and to require their subjection to him. In his commands, he is very positive, strictly requiring of them the performance of duties, and as positively forbidding things contrary to their duty. But they have no regard to these commands. God continues commanding, and they continue rebelling. They make nothing of God's authority. God threatens, but they despise his threatenings. They make nothing of dishonouring God. They care not how much their behaviour is to his dishonour. He declares his mercy if they will repent and return, but they despise his mercy as well as his wrath. God call it, but they refuse. Thus, they are continually plunging themselves deeper and deeper in debt. At the same time, they imagine that they shall escape the payment of the debt and design entirely to rob God of his due. But God had undertaken to right himself. He will reckon with them. He had undertaken to see that the debts due to him are paid. All their sins are written in his book, not one of them is forgotten, and every one must be paid. He will not be slack to him that hated him. He will repay him to his face. Deuteronomy 7.10 2. He had undertaken to vindicate the honour of his majesty. His majesty they despise. They hear that he is a great god, but they despise his greatness. They look upon him as worthy of contempt and treat him accordingly. They hear of him by the name of a great king, but his authority they regard not, and sometimes trample upon it for years together. But God had not left the honour of his majesty wholly to their care. Though they now trample it in the dust, yet that is no sign that it will finally be lost. 
If God had left it wholly to their hands, it would indeed be lost. But God doth not leave his honour and his glory with his enemies. It is too precious in his eyes to be so neglected. He hath reserved the care of it to himself. Sinners despise his son and trample him under their feet. But he will make the glory of his son appear with respect to them. All the earth will know how evil a thing it is to despise the Son of God. God intends that all men and angels, all heaven and all earth, shall see whether he be sufficient to magnify himself upon sinners who now despise him. 3. He had undertaken to subdue impenitent sinners. Their hearts while in this world are very unsubdued. They lift up their heads, conduct themselves very proudly and contemptuously, and often sin with a high hand. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues walk through the earth. They say to God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. Job 21.14 Some who cover their sin with their species, that is, deceptively attractive, show, who put on a face of religion, and a demure, that is, sober, serious countenance and behaviour, yet have this spirit secretly reigning in their breasts. Notwithstanding all their fair show and good external carriage, they despise God in their hearts. Their hearts are full of pride, enmity, stubbornness, and blasphemy, which work in them many ways while they sit under the preaching of the word and while the Spirit of God is striving in them. They never lay down the weapons of their rebellion, but God hath undertaken to deal with them and to subdue them. Those proud and stubborn hearts that will not yield to the power of God's word shall be broken by the power of his hand. Wicked men not only hate God, but they slight him. They are not afraid of him, but he will subdue their contempt. When he shall come to take them in hand, they will hate him still, but they will not slight him. They will find by sufficient experience that his wrath is not to be slighted. They will learn this to their cost, and they will never forget it. 4. God had undertaken to rectify their judgments. Now they will not be convinced of those things that God tells them in his word. Ministers take many pains to convince them, but all is in vain. Therefore God will undertake to convince them, and he will do it effectually. Now they always doubt the truth of the scriptures, questioning whether they be the word of God, and whether the threatenings of scripture be true. But God had undertaken to convince them that those threatenings are true, and he will make them to know that they are true, so that they will never doubt any more forever.
they will be convinced by dear experience. Now they are always questioning whether there be any such place as hell. They hear much about it, but it always seems to them like a dream. But God will make it seem otherwise than a dream. Now ministers often tell sinners of the great importance of an interest in Christ, and that it is the one thing needful. They are also told the folly of delaying the care of their souls, and how much it concerns them to improve their opportunity. But the instructions of ministers do not convince them. Therefore, God will undertake to convince them. Impenitent sinners, while in this world, hear how dreadful hell is. But they will not believe that it is as dreadful as ministers represent. They cannot think that they shall suffer to all eternity such exquisite, that is, intense, extreme, and horrible torments. But they shall be taught and convinced to purpose that the representations ministers give of those torments that are agreeable to the word of God are indeed as dreadful as they declare. Since God had undertaken to deal with sinners and to rectify their judgments in these matters, he will do it thoroughly. Impenitent sinners shall not avoid their due punishment. That God had declared that he will punish impenitent sinners is manifest from many scriptures. I will render vengeance to mine enemies and will reward them that hate me. Deuteronomy 32.41 He will not be slack to him that hated him. He will repay him to his face. Deuteronomy 7.10 God say it in the text, I the Lord have spoken it, and will do it. This leaves no room to doubt of the actual fulfilment of the threatening in its utmost extent. If it were indeed only a man, a being of like impotency and mutability with themselves, who had undertaken to deal with them, they might perhaps with some reason flatter themselves that they should find some means to avoid the threatened punishment. But since an omniscient, omnipotent, immutable God had undertaken, all such hopes are vain. There is no hope that they may steal away to heaven, though they die unconverted. There is no hope that they can deceive God by any false show of repentance and fate, and so be taken to heaven through mistake. There is no hope of escaping the threatened punishment by sinking into nothing at debt, like brute creatures. There is no hope of their escaping without notice when they leave the body. There is no hope that God, by reason of the multiplicity of affairs that he had to attend to, will happen to overlook them and not take notice of them when they come to die. There is no hope that they shall be missed in a crowd at the day of judgment, 
and that they can have opportunity to hide themselves in some cave or den of the mountains, or in any secret hole of the earth. Neither is there any hope that they will be able to crowd themselves in among the multitude of the saints at the right hand of the judge, and so go to heaven undiscovered. Nor is there any hope that God will alter his mind, or that he will repent of what he had said. When did God ever undertake to do anything and fail? Impenitent sinners cannot shun the threatened punishment. Neither can they do anything to deliver themselves from it, or to relieve themselves under it. This is implied in those words of the text, Can thine hands be strong? The wicked in hell will have no strength of hand to accomplish anything at all for themselves, or to bring to pass any deliverance or any degree of relief. 1. They will not be able in that conflict to overcome their enemy and so deliver themselves. God, who will then undertake to deal with them, and will gird himself with might to execute rod, will be their enemy. They will have no strength to oppose him. They will have no power, no might to resist that omnipotence which will be engaged against them. 2. They will have no strength in their hands to do anything to appease God, or in the least to abate the fierceness of his rod. They will not be able to offer any satisfaction. They will not be able to procure God's pity. Though they cry, God will not hear them. 3. They will not be able to find any to befriend them and intercede with God for them. They had the proclamation of a mediator, often made them in this world, but they will have no such calling in hell. None will befriend them in hell. They will have no friend in heaven. None of the saints or angels will befriend them. There will be no creature that will have any power to deliver them, nor will any ever pity them. 4. Nor will they ever be able to make their escape. They will find no means to break prison and flee. In hell they will be reserved in chains of darkness for ever and ever. None ever escaped out of the prison of hell, which is God's prison. It is a strong prison. It is beyond any finite power or the united strength of all wicked men and devils to unlock or break open the door of that prison. Christ had the key of hell. He shut it, and no man opened it. Revelation 3.7 5. Nor will they ever be able to find anything to relieve them in hell. They will never find any resting place there, or any secret corner that will be cooler than the rest. They will find no company to give them any comfort, or to do them the least good. For they will be tormented with fire and brimstone, and will have no rest day or night for ever and ever.
neither will they be able to bear their punishment. It is common with men, when they meet with calamities in this world, in the first place to endeavor to shun them. But if they find that they cannot shun them, then after they come, they endeavor to deliver themselves from them as soon as they can, or at least to deliver themselves in some degree. But if they find that they can by no means deliver themselves, and see that they must bear them, then they fortify their spirits and take up a resolution that they will support themselves under them as well as they can. But it will be utterly in vain for impenitent sinners to think to do thus with respect to the torments of hell. They will not be able to endure them or to support themselves under them at all. The torment will be immensely beyond their strength. What will it signify for a worm that is about to be pressed under the weight of some great rock, to collect its strength, to set itself to bear up the weight of the rock, and to preserve itself from being crushed by it? Much more futile will it be for a poor damned soul to endeavor to support itself under the weight of the wrath of Almighty God. When sinners hear of hell torments, they sometimes think with themselves, Well, if it shall come to that, that I must go to hell, I will bear it as well as I can. As if by clothing themselves with resolution and firmness of mind, they would be able to support themselves in some measure. Alas, they will have no resolution, no courage at all. However, they shall have prepared themselves and collected their strength. As soon as they shall begin to feel that wrath, their hearts will melt and be as water. However they may seem to harden their hearts in order to prepare themselves to bear, the first moment they feel it, their hearts will become like wax before the furnace. Their courage and resolution will all be gone in an instant. It will vanish away like a shadow in the twinkling of an eye. The stoutest and sturdiest will have no more courage than the feeblest infant would. They will not be able to keep alive any courage, any strength, any comfort, any hope at all. To answer an inquiry which may naturally be raised concerning these things. Some may be ready to say, if this be the case, if impenitent sinners can neither shun future punishment, deliver themselves from it, nor bear it, what will become of them? They will wholly sink down into eternal debt. There will be that sinking of heart of which we now cannot conceive. We see how it is with the body when in extreme pain. The nature of the body will support itself for a considerable time under very great pain to keep from holy sinking. There will be great struggles, lamentable groans, pantings and, it may be, convulsions. These are the strugglings of nature to support itself under the extremity of the pain.
There is, as it were, a great unwillingness in nature to yield to it. It cannot bear wholly to sink. Yet sometimes pain of body is so very exquisite that the nature of the body cannot support itself under it. However unwilling it may be to sink, yet it cannot bear the pain. There are a few struggles, throes, pantings, maybe a shriek or two. Then nature yields to the violence of the torments, sinks down, and the body dies. This is the debt of the body, so it will be with the soul in hell. It will have no strength or power to deliver itself. Its torment and horror will be so great, so mighty, so vastly disproportioned to its strength, that having no strength in the least to support itself, although it be infinitely contrary to the nature and inclination of the soul utterly to sink, yet it will utterly and totally sink without the least degree of remaining comfort, strength, courage or hope. Though it will never be annihilated, its being and perception will never be abolished. We can conceive but little of the matter. To help your conception, imagine yourself to be cast into a fiery oven or a great furnace, where your pain would be as much greater than that occasioned by accidentally touching a coal of fire as the heat is greater. Imagine also that your body were to lie there for a quarter of an hour, full of fire and all the while full of vivid sense. What horror would you feel at the entrance of such a furnace? How long would that quarter of an hour seem to you? And after you had endured it for one minute, how overbearing would it be to you to think that you had to endure the other fourteen? But what would be the effect on your soul if you knew you must lie there, enduring that torment to the full for twenty-four hours? How much greater would be the effect if you knew you must endure it for a whole year? And how vastly greater still if you knew you must endure it for a thousand years? Oh, then, how your hearts would sink if you knew that you must bear it for ever and ever, that there would be no end, that after millions of millions of ages your torment would be no nearer to an end, and that you never, never should be delivered. This is the debt threatened in the law. This is dying in the highest sense of the word. This is to die sensibly, to die and know it, to be sensible of the gloom of debt. This is to be undone. This is worthy of the name of destruction. This sinking of the soul under an infinite weight that it cannot bear is the gloom of hell. We read in scripture of the blackness of darkness. This is it. This is the very thing. We read in scripture of sinners being lost and of their losing their souls. 
This is the thing intended. This is to lose the soul. They that are the subjects of this are utterly lost. Consider these things, all you enemies of God and rejecters of Christ. Whether you be old men and women, Christless heads of families, are young people and wicked children. Be assured that if you do not hearken and repent, God intends to show his wrath and make his power known upon you. He intends to magnify himself exceedingly in sinking you down into hell. He intends to show his great majesty at the day of judgment in your misery before a greater assembly many thousandfold than ever yet appeared on earth, before a vast assembly of saints, a vast assembly of wicked men, a vast assembly of holy angels, and before all the crew of devils. God will, before all these, get himself honour in your destruction. You shall be tormented in the presence of them all. Then all will see that God is a great God indeed. Then all will see how dreadful a thing it is to sin against such a God, and to reject such a Saviour, such love and grace as you have rejected and despised. All will be filled with awe at the great sight, and all the saints and angels will look upon you and adore that majesty, that mighty power, and that holiness and justice of God, which shall appear in your ineffable, that is, unutterable, destruction and misery. Contemporary words have periodically been added, after older words, to aid in understanding. These words originally appeared as footnotes inserted by the Free Grace Broadcaster. Stillwater's Revival Books is now located at PuritanDownloads.com. It's your worldwide online Reformation home for the very best in free and discounted classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, MP3s, and videos. For much more information on the Puritans and Reformers, including the best free and discounted classic and contemporary books, MP3s, digital downloads, and videos, please visit Stillwater's Revival Books at PuritanDownloads.com. Stillwater's Revival Books also publishes the Puritan Hard Drive, the most powerful and practical Christian study tool ever produced. All thanks and glory be to the mercy, grace, and love of the Lord Jesus Christ for this remarkable and wonderful new Christian study tool. The Puritan Hard Drive contains over 12,500 of the best Reformation books, MP3s, and videos ever gathered onto one portable Christian study tool. An extraordinary collection of Puritan, Protestant, Calvinistic, Presbyterian, Covenanter, and Reformed Baptist resources. It's fully upgradable and it's small enough to fit in your pocket. The Puritan hard drive combines an embedded database containing many millions of records with the most amazing and extraordinary custom Christian search and research software ever created. 
The Puritan hard drive has been produced to assist you in the fascinating and exhilarating spiritual, intellectual, familial, ecclesiastical, and societal adventure that is living the Christian life. It has been specifically designed so that you might more faithfully know, serve, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, as well as to help you to do all you can to bring glory to His great name. If you want to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, then the Puritan hard drive is for you. Visit PuritanDownloads.com today for much more information on the Puritan hard drive and to take advantage of all the free and discounted Reformation and Puritan books, MP3s, and videos that we offer at Stillwater's Revival Books.